With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist of the Tuscaloosa News, joined as I am each week by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. A lot to get into here on this edition of Talking Tide. Quickly, though, we want to tell you where to get us. Certainly uh, at our web host at Megaphone.com. Also catch Talking Tide on any podcasting app you prefer, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and plenty more. Uh, you can also get us on YouTube or Facebook, live or recorded in those locales. And certainly we want to thank our sponsors really quickly as well. Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates and DraftKings. More on them a little bit later in the program. And finally, the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide, links to all of our podcasts right there. And Travis, we dive right in on Selection Sunday Eve, uh, the Selection Committee unveiling uh, the field of 64. Alabama makes the field for the second year in a row. It's the Crimson Tide's first time going back-to-back with NCAA tournament bids. Uh, since the mid-2000s, it's been quite a long time. And uh, they get in with a sixth seed, despite uh, kind of limping into the show, into the dance, uh, losers of their last three games, including their first game in the SEC tournament. Uh, but the resume, Travis, was strong enough already that they did not need a hot finish, and they will be taking on a play-in winner between Notre Dame and Rutgers. They will, and if you want to know why Alabama not only got in but is able to still achieve a sixth seed despite the fact that if you included the SEC tournament, this is a team that finished the season sub-500 in SEC play, well, just look at the top seeds, the number one seeds for this field, and Alabama had success against those teams, and uh, the quality wins were of exceptional quality, and some of the losses – Uh, Not so much, but I don't think you can understate and credit, ultimately, despite the struggles in SEC play and really down the stretch, the job done by Nate Oates. Um, You know, as you said, first time in a long time that Alabama basketball, men's basketball making back-to-back appearances in the big dance. And so, need to start there and give the appropriate credit to Nate Oates before we probably get a little bit negative after that loss to Vanderbilt. Yeah, rough game against Vanderbilt for sure. More on that in a couple minutes. Uh, Just a quick reset here on Alabama's uh, look here in the opening weekend of the tournament. They enter 19-13 and again as a six seed. Uh, They'll be playing Friday, uh, airing on TNT. It'll be a 3.15 p.m. Central Time tip-off against that Rutgers-Notre Dame winner. Be a couple more days, Travis, before we know which of those two teams Alabama will be playing. And, of course, the look-ahead game, not that Alabama can afford to, but if they happen to win that first-round game, they'll be taking on the winner of a 3-14 game, Texas Tech, a three-seed, Montana State, a 14-seed, Travis, uh, on the other side of that uh, 
on the other side of that bracket in the West. Yeah, and you know, it's tempting to think about how the bracket lays out. You got Duke also in that bracket and on that side with Alabama and Texas Tech. But as we talked about with this Alabama team, really for a couple of months now, you can't afford to look past the very next game. And whether that's Rutgers, whether that's Notre Dame, some intrigue involved in either of those matchups. But essentially, once again, Chase, I think it comes down to to Alabama. I think Alabama can, uh, you know, as a six seed, you would think, can take care of business against either of those uh, 11s and Notre Dame and uh, Rutgers. But you you can't say that with 100% certainty. And then even if that happens, I'll go ahead and say this. I don't like Alabama at all in a potential matchup with Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech would absolutely bully this Alabama team um, at this point. So, no sense really looking that far ahead. Uh, you know, you, you're looking at, as you said, Rutgers, Notre Dame. When I think of those kind of teams, I think more Big East, more Big Ten. Although I know Notre Dame's had more affiliation with the ACC than probably any league. Uh, I know Rutgers is in the Big Ten. Uh, that makes no sense still to me. Um, but those kind of teams, right? Big East, Big Ten type of teams that Alabama's looking at. Yeah, and this is actually this is what I wrote for the Tuscaloosa News earlier this evening on the heels of, of what unfolded for Alabama. In that, you know, normally you say ah, it's, it's a it's a tough thing to not know who you're going to play for a couple days when you're opposite one of these play on games. But for Alabama, Travis, they just need to worry about Alabama right <laughs> exactly. now. Exactly. I, I I don't think. I don't think it who hurts cares? Alabama a bit uh, that, that that they're going to have a delay in knowing who to match up with because for now all they need to do is just focus on self. Yeah, I mean they knew they were playing Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. Well, they figured they were playing Vanderbilt given that Vanderbilt had Georgia in that first round game and they had played Vanderbilt already this season and still they fouled thirty times in the game. They know that Scottie Pippen Jr. is the master of the cell when it comes to fouls. And still they put themselves in a position. And I understand where they whistle whipped at times. Sure, I do believe that. But they still put themselves in a position knowing what they knew, Chase, to allow that to happen. Yeah. Maybe let Scottie Pippen show you he can knock down like two or three threes first before you get up into him, you know, like, He's Steph Curry from Beyond the Arc or something, you know. Let's go uh, ahead and hit, let's go ahead and hit on that game while we're while we're on it. Vanderbilt wins that one, eighty-two to seventy-six. It was technically a second-round SEC game, but it was Alabama's first game in the tournament, uh, and they go out uh, in pretty disappointing fashion. They had a comfortable second-half lead, Travis, fifteen points. I think they stretched it out to it. Uh, at one point in the second half, fairly early in the second half, granted, uh, but Vanderbilt chipped away. The next thing you know, the lead disappears, and then the Commodores finish it off. Scotty Pippen Jr., 26 for the game, and as you noted, uh, a lot of them at the free throw line. of those from the free throw line. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and really, that, that was the same story when they played Alabama when Vanderbilt and Alabama got together earlier in the year, he shot right? 13 free throws in the final four minutes in Nashville, yeah, just, 13 in the final four. So, you know, what's in store here, what's in play here. You know, we can talk about the defensive inefficiency and they give up 54 points in the second half to Vandy in that loss. But chase, 
They got up 67 shots, Alabama did in the game. They got up, even with the the discrepancy in free throws, they got up 34 free throws. 67 shots from the field, 34 free throws, they scored 76 points. Not enough. That's not not very efficient, is it? I mean, come on. Eight out of 34 from three-point range, so they're under 25% again. They couldn't make the three-pointers. Nate Oates even said they were only about 50% at the rim. So uh, it was 18 offensive boards. Yeah, 18 offensive boards to five. And they did lead second chance points, 18 to seven. But when you get up 14 more shots from the field than your opponent, that that 11 points to the good still feels a little light, doesn't it? 18 turnovers uh, played a big role in it as well. Turnovers have been a bugaboo for this team kind of coming down the stretch, certainly. Uh, Texas A&M is a problem in that game as well. So these are the things that Nate Oates has got to be working on over the next 48 hours or so. And who cares who they're playing until then? They've got, there's plenty to look in the mirror about worry about who you're playing whenever you find out. Yeah. I mean, we say it every year and usually it is true. Well, it all comes down to the draw. You know, it's sort of an exercise in futility to say, what's the tournament ceiling for a team without knowing what the draw is and what sort of the the path is from an opponent perspective, both immediate and perhaps in the future. But absolutely, I think we're in 100% agreement on this one. Um, you know, especially in that first game Friday, it's it's really about Alabama. It continues to be largely about Alabama. And even in a potential matchup with Texas Tech, you should like Alabama in that game. You know, but do you like them right now? Do you trust Alabama? Texas Tech's not going to have the flash. Texas Tech's not going to have, you know, a lot of the bells and whistles, so to speak, of Alabama. But I damn sure trust Texas Tech with an emphasis on the defensive end and just toughness in general, even without Chris Beard these days, than I do Alabama. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really, for Nate Oates, it's – the polar opposite of last year, right? Because last year they just steamrolled the SEC. They go into the SEC tournament with, or excuse me, in the NCAA tournament with all sorts of momentum, uh, won the SEC regular season crown, won the SEC tournament. And for that team, it looked like the sky was the limit at, at this point 12 months ago. This team is absolutely sputtering going into oh. Uh, going no juice. Into the and again, not to undervalue the accomplishment of a second straight appearance in the NCAA tournament. That's tremendous. Uh, that's a feather in the cap of Nate Oates. Uh, but man, I also know we've heard Nate Oates talk about want to be playing your best at the right time of year. And I know for him right now, that's a that's a painful reality for him when he looks at his own team. They're not. Little bit of a preview for both Rutgers and Notre Dame. Travis, I just had a few notes on these two teams for our listeners uh, that we could run down really quickly. Notre Dame 22 and 10 on the season. They're only eight and nine away from home. That would be eight and five on the road, 0 and four on neutral floors. That's a little bit of a red flag when you get into tournament play and, and uh, you're not under your own roof for sure. Two quad wins for the Fighting Irish. They knocked off the University of Kentucky. Uh, they also beat uh, Miami. So that's uh, their two quad one wins. Blake Wesley leads the way for that team, 14.6 points per game. They've also got a real sharpshooter 
from three-point range. And Dane Goodwin, he averages 45% uh, from deep. So a uh, quick little glance at Notre Dame there. Turning to Rutgers, a little bit more of a defensive-oriented squad are the Scarlet Knights, 18 and 13, 12 and 8 in conference play. A lot more quad one wins for Rutgers than Notre Dame, all of them in conference play. Purdue, Iowa, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana. And leading the way for Rutgers, Ron Harper Jr., Travis, at 15.6 per game. Uh, from what, from what you know of these two teams, Travis, and, and I know you, <laughs> you keep up with, with with the college basketball in a broader scope a little bit more than I do. Uh, any thoughts at all on which of those two might be the better matchup for Alabama? I would say Notre Dame because I, I think um, while they do have the wins that you mentioned over Kentucky uh, and Miami, there's a little bit more on Rutgers sort of resume when I consider uh, the, the, the quad one type wins that they've had and the league, you know, that they've played in. So um, I, I just worry more about some, some toughness that, that might be uh, a physicality that, uh, that Rutgers might present more so than say Notre Dame. Mike Bray's been at Notre Dame forever. It feels like. Um, and so, you respect that, but I would probably go with just in terms of how the teams are made up. Uh, I'd probably go Rutgers. What about you? I think Notre Dame would be more willing to go up and down the floor, certainly with Alabama. So if Alabama is looking to get in a high score and a fair, then, then, you know, maybe Notre Dame is, is the way they want to go, but the way Alabama has been playing in terms of turnovers in terms yeah. of shooting from distance, Maybe they are better off with Rutgers. Maybe they are better off grinding out a low-scoring game uh, because if they're if, if they're not making if they're not making the threes anyway, you may as well d it up, I guess, and and, and see. But if are you can they? Get by. Are they going to d it up? Yeah, that's a know, are they going to yeah. are they going to have the forty-minute toughness? See, I agree with you just in terms of tangibles and skill sets and things like that. My biggest concern with Alabama men's basketball right now, though, doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It's intangibles. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you can feel it coming. You could feel that second half, you know, once a couple of things. Vandy makes a couple of hustle plays on 50-50 balls. They don't give up on the play, right? They're air balls that Vanderbilt shot. They keep the ball in play. They end up hitting threes on the back end of them while Alabama's ball watching. Uh, Alabama, to me, just doesn't want to do enough of what it really takes at this time of year. They just won't or can't. Maybe they can't. And so, you know, it, it, you keep waiting for the switch to flip. And maybe this is it. Um, but, you know, Vanderbilt essentially said after its win over Georgia in the first round of the SEC tournament, we want these guys. Right. We want them. Yep. They didn't try to – Scotty Pippen Jr. didn't try to hide anything about it. Neither did Jerry Stackhouse. And you know what? They got them. Got and em. then when the game wore on and it came down to who has winning time attributes, um, Vanderbilt scores 54 points in the second half. They called out Alabama. We're down 10 at the half. And still one by six. Yeah, that's down. where Alabama basketball is right now. That has nothing to do with 
talent or skill set, does it? Not no, it's, it's it's a one-two thing, and Nate Oates is Nate Oates has got to pull it together on both ends of the floor. And the toughest thing week. for Nate Oates is, I think he's got guys that he continues to say the right things to, and in their heart of hearts, Chase, they really believe they're doing it. Like yeah. some of these guys think, I don't know, Coach. This is this is hard as I can go, you know. Um, but there's also a way of looking at effort. Um, there's initial effort. Okay. Let's say you're guarding somebody, you shut down the initial drive. That's great. But the play doesn't end after the initial drive or the initial, you know, sequence there. There's the secondary part to the play that you got to continue to guard and continue to make effort and do things that don't show up in the box score. And the and, help defense is spotty. The no, rotation, they, the rotations their be recognition spotty. between the recognition and want. That's it's tough to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. Either guys just don't recognize coverages or things that are. I, look, Charlie Henry last year, we were talking about this guy in relation to defensive coordinators at Alabama on par with like Kirby Smart and Bill Oliver, right? I mean, <laughs> he was a great defensive coach last year for Alabama. He's not any worse this year, but it took, it took last year. It just hasn't taken. And Charlie Henry can come up with coverages and rotations and all these things, pressures. um, And even if those get carried out again, initially, you got to, at some point, just play good defensive basketball. You got to sit your ass down, get in a stance and play for the whole shot clock. Not for half of it and go, well, I, I shut that down. Well, you know. They miss Herb Jones. They, they miss oh, Herb Jones more than yeah. more than anybody they lost last year. Oh, it, I've said it uh, many times. It's This season, especially the second half, has been the Herb Jones appreciation tour. <laughs> That's right. Because it's just been reinforced over and over again. No doubt about it. Rutgers or Notre Dame, when Travis and I uh, reconvene next weekend, we'll be taught, I guess by that time, we will have seen Alabama play a couple times. So uh, looking forward to that. We're going to thank a couple sponsors here before we move on to the back end of the program. Uh, we're going to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and that outstanding uh, dental service from Dr. Jack Smalley and his great staff at Dental Hygienist, conveniently located at 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. All your routine cleanings, get them done there. Your family needs some dental work, have them go to Dr. Jack. He does a great job. Endodontics, dentures, porcelain veneers, they do it all. You get a chip, they'll take care of it really quickly. I was in the chair a couple months ago with a chip front tooth. Dr. Jack got a new one on there right away. I can't even tell. I don't even, I can't even tell I had a chip. Uh, and it's uh, it's holding tight still to this day. Does a great job with those as well. Botox and Juvederm treatments as well to tighten up those facial features. And don't forget outstanding teeth whitening services over at North River Dental Associates. Seven five two three five zero six, the number to call, or catch them on the web at NorthRiverDentist.com. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Maybe Chase Goodbread's favorite holiday of all coming up here in the next few days. You know what I'm talking about, right? St. Patrick's Day. I know we've been priming you for Easter and going ahead and taking care of that business with Peterbrook Chocolatier. 
But also at Peter Brook in the next few days throughout the upcoming week, you can grab some St. Patrick's Day themed treats. Good bread. What nice. about that? Nice. Sounds yes. pretty good, right? Some green so, in the store. Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter Brook Chocolates here. They can take great care of you. Got the summer camps coming up. That's been a hit for many, many years in Tuscaloosa. Check them out. Give them a call, 205-752-0211 for more information on the summer camps. Or just stop by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Yeah, when it hits about 98 degrees in July in Tuscaloosa, the summer camp that's in the air conditioning, that's the one that kids Those whiny-ass kids, you know. <laughs> they don't want to go canoeing like we did back in no, no. 1937. You oh, know, they don't want to do any of that stuff. They want to be room. inside. Inside. <laughs> yeah. All right, finally, our corporate sponsor, that would be DraftKings. College basketball fans, join the action during the biggest tournament of the year with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. You bet five bucks on any college basketball team to win in the tournament. Get $200 in free bets if they do. You can't beat it. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Travis, we now in our final few minutes of the program, we'll go ahead and turn to Alabama Spring Football, which is underway. Of course, Nick Saban uh, got things kicked off with a practice on Friday. And as per usual at Alabama, it's one practice and then we're out of here for spring break. So uh, I've always found that kind of odd. Saban's explained it more than once. And and uh, it's still for me, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. But Uh, Whatever the case, he likes to get that one done and then let them go, and then they reconvene uh, to finish off spring practice. But uh, Saban with a news conference on Friday after that opening practice had some nice things to say about how these incoming transfers look, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Jermaine Burton uh, for sure. So, uh, And, and of course, Eli Ricks as well, the cornerback from LSU, made note of them. Uh, looking good on the first day of practice. Also made note, Travis, that, that they're juggling things around a little bit on that offensive line, looking at some guards at tackle, looking at some tackles at guard, just basically trying to dial in uh, some sort of a combination on that al- offensive front, which was a problem for Alabama at times last year. Yeah, you know, and with the transfers, all I needed to know was that they were there because – I anticipated them looking good in shorts and helmets. I mean, these are guys with documented success at the Power 5 level. So for me, anyway, the only real news about those three guys would have been, well, one of them's not here, two of them, you know, things like that. So good to hear that they're there first and foremost and um, that they're doing as you would expect them to do at least in a, a first workout of spring practice. Yeah, that offensive line, that was probably, I think, your biggest takeaway mine too uh in relation to specifically the tackle positions because most years it seems like chase they've needed one guy right maybe a left tackle maybe a right tackle maybe they move the right tackle to left tackle and they go with a new uh guy at right tackle but they need two and you know listening to nick's comments and there were a lot of oars in there that i heard 
when talking about potential candidates there. Yeah. Is he a tackle or a guard? Right. Not he can play tackle and guard. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's some guys that we're about to find out about in terms of probably in terms of their big picture as well. If they're a younger player, you know, is Damian George a tackle? You know, I, I think after a couple of years in the program, this is where the rubber meets the road probably for him. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say it's never too late because as you know, they cross train those guys continuously uh, regardless, but you know, that's my biggest concern for this offensive line uh, just to practice in still plenty of time. Uh, you know, who are the legitimate tackle candidates, not guys that they have to play at tackle, but guys that can play tackle at a standard at which they're used to. And, you know, if that doesn't happen, there's a guy in the transfer portal from Vanderbilt, Tyler Steen right now is going to be in Tuscaloosa in a couple of weeks. And, you know, depending on how these first seven, maybe five, six, seven practices go, uh, the urgency with Tyler Steen could go up some. You, you almost get the sense, too, Travis, that competitively speaking, it's who wants to play tackle out there, right? Because in their heart of hearts, offensive tackles, they don't they don't want to play guard. That's, no. not, that, that's not where the money is. Uh, not that any offensive line position has any glamour to it, but but what little glamour there is comes from playing outside and working on those those edge guys. It's not unlike the way wide receivers all want to be that outside guy, X. right? That speed yep. guy at the X, and 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 nobody wants to go inside and play in the slide. W R one, yeah, yeah, linebacker traffic in there, and you never get to go long, you know, in the <laughs> slot. It's it's the same thing with tackles yeah. and guards, right? And so I, I yeah. think for, for Nick Saban to uh, kind of set it up in a way that the tackles uh, one by one may all be looking at guard, it sounds almost like a little bit of a wake up call. A little bit, but I, I think there is genuinely just some unknown, you know, with with some of those guys. And what I did like hearing from Saban in relation to those guys was that a guy like Damian George has had a really good offseason because when I look at a lot of these guys, and it's center two, which he talked about, is physically, you know, the, the strides some of these guys have to make, whether it's Damian George needing to continue to work and reshape his body in a way where maybe as much as anything stamina-wise, he's able to sustain uh, a, a higher level of play for a longer period of time. But then you've got some younger guys, uh, like a Tommy Brockermeyer's been in and out with some injury issues in his first year. You know, is he going to get to a point physically where he can anchor and be stout and powerful in the run game? So you got guys on both sides of that sort of fence. Um but I'll tell you this much, uh, whichever of those guys can hold up against Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and even Chris Braswell this spring, yeah, I think that's maybe the, the biggest benefit you've got in this search is that you're going to find out who can hang in at least against those kind of pass rushers. Best pass rushing tandem in America probably coming back next year for the Crimson Tide. And, and, uh, and that's, that's saying, obviously, it says a whole lot about Will Anderson. We know less about Turner, but Turner was so effective over the second half of the season last year. I, I, I'm willing to say it even this far out that, no, that I, yeah. if, if there's a better one two punch, a better tandem, uh, and as outside pass right now, maybe there's a better inside outside tandem, but in terms of two guys coming off the edge, 
if there's a better pair in the country coming back next year, I'd like to see it. Yeah, and Turner's just getting going. I mean, with another run here and, uh, you know, strength and conditioning coming up after spring practice or even throughout spring, this guy's only going to get better. And yeah. so uh, he's going to become more, I would say, deep with his arsenal of probably moves. He's going to learn some counters and some different things to go with that. And he's going to become a better run defender um, as far as setting the edge and things like that go. Usually biggest jump you see in terms of improvement is between that freshman and sophomore year. So mm -hmm. uh, as good as he was toward the end of 2021, could be a, a, a different player uh, come this fall. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us next Sunday night. Travis and I, at that point, uh, will have uh, two, well, one, certainly, and perhaps two, <laughs> Alabama NCAA tournament games. You're trying to protect Alabama men's yeah, basketball. Yeah. Good, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll see. Who knows what will become of Fair uh, enough. Alabama. It's, it's seven whole days away, Travis, but uh, we'll be back. Well, can happen. Yeah. For another Sunday night or next week, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News. Had a good time with you. Thanks for joining us here on Talking Tide.